Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under Networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pals fans? Welcome to a very special two-part episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host and contributor to TheBirdRights.com, Preston Ellis, and today we are speaking with Hollywood actress and Pelican superfan, Laura Cayouette. But first, we have Pelican's G League affiliate and president of the Erie Bayhawks, Mr. Matt Brzee. How are you, sir? And did I say your name right? You nailed it, Preston. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. So thanks for having me. Of course, Matt. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a bit about you. Of course, you guys can follow him at Matt underscore Brzee. That's B-R-E-S-E-E. Matt, this is the 12th season of the B- of the Erie Bayhawks organization, but the first as the Pelicans expansion team. Talk a bit about the relationship or partnership, I should say, between the Erie Bayhawks existing organization and now the Pelicans partnership to it. Sure. it's uh, It is a little confusing because uh, going into this season, uh, of the 28 teams in the league, uh, we're really the only one that operates in the unique way that we do. But it's a great it's a win-win for uh, myself and our business staff here in Erie um, and for the Pelicans, of course. So the way it really works is that, uh, you know, uh, I guess probably a little more than a year or so ago um, when the Pelicans decided that, you know, the D League was going to be an important part uh, of – you know, future development of young players, um, they started, you know, pursuing their options for, you know, getting a G League team and what that would look like. And uh, lo and behold, as I'm sure, you know, you have the, the story well documented, is, you know, they landed on, you know, Birmingham would be maybe the long-term solution, uh, but the facility there, you know, wasn't quite ready and won't be quite ready for what they think to be maybe you know, a few years yet. So, in the meantime, what happened here in Erie is, uh, as you mentioned, this will be our 12th season. Uh, through the years, uh, we had had six other different affiliates on the Republican. And the reason for it is when we first started out back in 2008, the, uh, the ownership group here uh, was independently owned. And at that time, back in the D-League, the relationships were such that um, that was pretty much the model. The majority of the teams were all independently owned. And you would contract with any various number of teams. And actually, back then, there were only like you know 13, 14 teams in the league. You had multiple affiliates. So really, it was just a, a place for NBA teams to send assignments. Um, but there really wasn't the I guess sort of interconnected relationship between NBA front office coaching staff and that that, that there is today. So we'll kind of quickly fast forward um, just so I can kind of answer the question at hand, and that is. What our relationship is, is that uh, our group up here in Erie right now, myself and about nine other full-time staff that we have on the business side, uh, we do things, we sell tickets, we market the team, we sell uh, corporate partnerships um, and the like, and uh, essentially uh, the Pelicans um, gives them the ability to really just focus on the basketball side. So we ended up with uh, sort of a vacancy, if you will, here in Erie, once the Atlanta Hawks decided to relocate their team um, this year to College Park, Georgia. 
Uh, and then because of our experience here in operating a team, um, having a built-in you know, audience of fans, having facilities, we play in a great arena, um, that really opened the door for the Pelicans to say, hey, uh, a short-term solution could be up in Erie, Pennsylvania, albeit uh, a little far away. But in order to get the G League up and running, um, have a G League team to now have a place to send your two-way guys, your affiliate players, assignments, um, while the Pelicans will control everything on the basketball operations side, um, that's really the win-win, and that's, that's kind of how the relationship exists uh, as of now. Well said, sir. And let's expand on that a little bit. Both Gail, owner Owen McCormick, uh, your direct boss, I guess, as well as Dennis. Dennis and Owen. Preston, I apologize. It broke up just a little bit there at the at the question part of it. Can you repeat that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So on April 10th, you had lunch. You sat down with uh, Pelicans owner Gail Benson, your mm-hmm. owner Owen McCormick, as well as Dennis Lausha. How did that day go between the four of you? Well, it was great. Number one, uh, we were extremely appreciative of you know, Mrs. Benson and, uh, and Dennis taking time out of their schedule to stop in here. Um, it, it speaks a lot to the level of their commitment, and I think for Pelicans fans, um, in the sense that I got, you know, when I, when I met Mrs. Benson and we sat and talked that afternoon, um, we heard it straight from her. She said, you know, we feel that the, the G League is another piece in where we want to start to take the direction of the organization. At the same exact time, um, they had been interviewing uh, positions that were uh, then soon to be announced. You know, David Griffin, and we're filling that spot. So, you know, having uh, just her here um, told me that, you know, she was backing it up. You know, she wanted to come to town to at least uh, have a chance to uh, meet us, uh, introduce herself. Uh, her and Dennis just sort of spoke to the high level of um, where where they are in terms of uh, what they see for the future of the Pelicans uh, and, you know, the G League being a piece of that. So, uh, was was extremely um, refreshing, I guess, in some ways. As I mentioned, you know, this is our seventh different affiliate uh, that we've had in, in what will be our 12th season. Um, she's the first team owner ever to take the time, you know, to stop in Erie and, and see the facilities and, and just uh, at least to have that relationship with. So uh, it means a lot. But uh, I think um, again, it just sort of is, is one other one other way that uh, I guess, from my perspective you know, that we're really seeing the Pelicans kind of back it up with uh, with maybe what the, the sort of the new, the, the renewed sense of direction that uh, the franchise might be headed. Um, so certainly excited about that. Great stuff. Uh, and we're obviously going to talk a bit more about Zylon Cheatham as the uh, season progresses and we get a little bit closer to that. But in the interim, Matt, you've seen a lot of success in the G League with coaches like Nick Nurse and players like Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, Quinn Cook. Talk about some of the development of the players specifically for your team and in your league and how G League benefits them. Yeah, we've been fortunate here in Erie to see, you know, some names come through. Seth Curry. Uh, comes to mind as probably the most recent success story. He spent an entire season here um, not all that long ago, and, and he's parlayed that into uh, you know now a great role he's got there in Portland um, and a number of others. And, he, and some you mentioned on opposing teams and some we've come seen through here, seen, uh, come through here. You know, what's been neat for me to see is over the course of 11 years, because I've been, I've, I've been fortunate to be involved since day one, is – the league has changed even from, from the players' perspective, uh, everyone involved, the players, their agents, the coaches, some of the, the, of which you mentioned that have, have really used the, the D League now, the G League, as an opportunity to continue to grow. And I, and I point this out for people, too. When you look at uh, other systems, minor league baseball, hockey, um, their minor league systems – um, they have several years of development in some cases, even a number one pick in, in the base major baseball draft um, probably has the idea that they're going to spend some amount of time and, and often it's years worth of time in the minor leagues as they're developing to the major league level. If you think back just five, six years ago, I don't believe that was the mentality in the NBA players came out, them and their agents uh, thought that, 
hey, you know, gotta gotta be on an NBA roster and make an impact, you know, right away, and and, and be on the NBA roster, and, and that's that's the place to be. So therefore, there was a time in the D League where it was hard for that to be masked when a player would get assigned or a player would end up starting the season here that uh, they, they didn't quite enjoy it or they, they thought it was a bad thing in some, in some ways. Um, whereas now we, what's really changed and what's been kind of neat to see is I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it from some of the players that they're embracing the opportunities to play here. Um, even with some that we've had over the last couple of years when they've been assigned, they've said to me, I'll stay as long as I can. You know, they're getting minutes. They understand now the role that this league can play. Some of those success stories that you just mentioned, um, they're seeing it. You know, we see the proof. Um, Danny Green's another one. He played in Erie as a rookie. At the time, we were Cavs affiliate. He was a rookie with the Cavaliers. He played a few games for us that year. Um, Danny's story was after that year, uh, he ended up spending a considerable amount of time over the next couple of years uh, in the D-League. And uh, Danny Green's another one of those guys. You know, he's a he's a starter on, on now a world championship team, and uh, and obviously has had um, success with the Spurs and all that before that. So all of those success stories that I think have now helped, and it's just another way that the NBA teams now in recent years are buying in, like the Pelicans are now. So um, it's been really neat to see that evolution and players embracing the opportunity to be here. Whereas, uh, quite candidly, I think five, six, seven years ago, and, and I heard, I even had heard some coaches talk about it. They would, you know, as much as you try to talk to the player about, hey, we're sending you here for an opportunity, uh, it wasn't always taken that way. And, and when they got on the floor, um, you know, it was hard to mask because you had a lot of hungry guys here at this level that uh, that really wanted to compete and bring it. Um, so that's what I think has been, apart from me, it's really kind of been neat as a fan to just see the difference in guys coming to this level and embracing the opportunity to play at the G League, all the while understanding, we always say this right at the start of the year, we understand that Erie, Pennsylvania wasn't on your list of places you wanted to go play professional basketball, but as long as you're here, basketball operations, business operations, we're all going to be here to support you, give you as many resources as you can to be successful, to, to get to that next step, whatever that next step or that next level is for you. Ultimately, they all want the NBA, but there's certainly lucrative opportunities overseas as well. And Pelicans fans might remember a couple of stints last season by Frank Jackson, where he was very productive in the G League and came back to the NBA a bit more confident. And of course, uh, you can't comment on players like Nikhail Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes, guys who are still uh, uh, under the developing guise of the Los Angeles Lakers until the trade can be cemented. But we do have some other players uh, that might see some time down uh, with the Erie Bayhawks. Uh, we, I mentioned Zylan Cheatham uh, a little bit earlier. Obviously, the the two-way approach to a player and those contracts is ever-developing. I think this is the third uh, season you'll be able to tell better than I can. Talk about your relationship to your immediate roster and to these two-way players who kind of drift back and forth from you to their parent franchises. You're right. The two-way player is in its, its third season, going into its third year. And, you know, we've seen, when you look across the league, we've seen uh, teams like anything else uh, when it's new, uh, everybody kind of fell out the way to use those contracts. There was um, differing philosophies, and there still are some differing philosophies. In, uh, if you use one of those on, on a more you know veteran guy, maybe someone who spent some time overseas, and, and now they're, they're trying to you know, make their way back to the NBA, um, or like we're seeing the trend now is more teams are looking at some of those undrafted free agents as uh, – trying to jump on them sort of sooner rather than later, you know, get, get what theoretically could be maybe the best of the next crop of guys for those two-way positions. So the two-way was something that uh, for, for a few years, there were several um, people in NBA circles that were really pushing for that because it allowed, um, without getting too far into the weeds, at least allowed another layer, albeit just two players. So they went from, I believe, a roster size of 15 to a roster size of 17 in the NBA. The the great thing about the two-way is it's it's an NBA contract. So guys have that confidence in knowing that their rights are held by an NBA team. But in doing so, it also allows that NBA team to protect that player. And uh, I guess I mentioned earlier, Seth Curry, for example, when Seth was here, he was here before two-ways were available. 
Uh, the reality was is that we had a great player like Seth Curry, and he was a, he was a tremendous uh, G League player. Um, the reality was he had an NBA G League contract. So at the time, our NBA affiliate was the Orlando Magic. They didn't have any way to protect his rights while he was playing for us. So in theory, you had the NBA team investing resources in helping Seth, whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's uh, dietitian, whether it's you know, whatever it is on the court, off the court. But at any point in time, any NBA team could come and, and pluck any one of those guys that has a duty contract in order to pull them up and give them that, that opportunity. So the two-way at least adds a little layer in that where you've got a couple of guys now that are still at the developmental stage. They're certainly not costing um, the, the full NBA roster spot that they would have had to previously, but it allows teams to protect those guys um, that didn't, you didn't uh, previously exist. And the other real benefit, and I actually heard this from uh, a couple of different of our two-way players' parents, is that it's allowed them to stay in the States. Guys that maybe considered a deal overseas that might be six figures, well, now the two-way deal becomes more lucrative and a better opportunity for them. Um, so that's another way that the NBA has been able to retain um, some of that talent, albeit about 60 guys a year, that maybe otherwise a portion of them would have, you know, tried to find a better deal somewhere else overseas. Great stuff, Matt. Now, I know you don't have uh, any idea of what the current timetable is in terms of the Pelicans hiring a coach, a general manager, uh, a staff. Uh, David Griffin just recently announced that they're going to develop special two-way coaches to accompany these players like Zylon. But in your experience, about what time do all these decisions start to take place? Yeah, we'll, we'll likely see, you know, the GM and the coach will be the first two uh, to get into place. And um, again, my my experience tells me maybe that'll be shortly after summer league. Uh, just given all the all the new developments in this busy time of year for you know the NBA staff as they uh, come off the draft, uh, after pre-draft workouts, into the draft, into summer league. So um, good chance we'll see that. Uh, we do have an expansion draft uh, scheduled for mid-August, um, and that'll be a first opportunity for us to begin building that roster and there again um knowing about expansion drafts it could be a case where uh the rules in the g league are that every existing team so the other 27 teams in the league uh, can each protect up to 10 players um, everybody else that they currently have rights to again any guys that have played for them over the last two years where you know their nba rights aren't held somewhere else they have the ability to protect 10 and the rest of the unprotected, uh, the Pelicans, will have the ability to draft up to 12, 12 guys um, that are unprotected through the expansion draft. What's really tricky about the expansion draft in the G League is that oftentimes the unprotected guys become guys that uh, teams might expect to not play in the G League again. Maybe they're overseas. Maybe they think they're headed overseas. Um, so what tends to happen is sometimes in the expansion draft, you can get 12 guys, but there's, the reality is is that uh, maybe none of them ever actually suit up for you. But albeit um, in our experience, because we've been through a couple of expansion drafts here in the area, uh, we usually tend to see at least a couple of those guys uh, make their way to our roster. But that'll be the first way that we'll start to build that team You know, beyond them uh, officially signing any two-way guys, which they could potentially do in the meantime. Now, before we get to uh, two recent uh training camp signees that the Pelicans agreed to terms with who could become potential G League uh, affiliates in the Erie Bayhawks. Let's talk about where our viewers can actually watch G League games. Obviously, it's been very difficult for uh, the diehard fan to find these games on television, but we know they've been featured on things like Facebook Live, ESPN+, ESPNU, and even NBA TV in some instances. Do you think the G League is going to be able to expand in the uh, soon-to-be future where people can watch their games and access their games? Well, I know this, um, the league is constantly looking at, you know, continuing to uh, expand because of the interest in this league, because of the talent level that gets gets better and better in this league. Um, they, you know, they're always looking at uh, other broadcast opportunities. Um, what you referenced, uh, I can tell you from the past, is uh, essentially every uh, NBA D-League game and G-League game uh, has uh, been available in some way, shape, or form. 
uh, and broadcast really over the last, you know, th- through our existence in the last 11 years. Most recently, uh, Facebook Live, uh, ESPN Plus, um, and there's been a couple of other, um, couple of other, uh, platforms such as Twitch. Uh, had some games on 11 Sports a couple years ago, uh, and you referenced NBA TV. You'll typically see um, throughout the season, uh, Sunday afternoon, usually game of the week on NBA TV. So, uh, remains to be seen. But I certainly know that uh, given the momentum of this league and you know the um, the upward trajectory, you know they're they're constantly looking at uh, you know their opportunities and expanding that. So you know hopefully some fans in that area are going to you know have an easy time to kind of follow the Bayhawks. Um, whether it be you know online or maybe some other type of broadcast, it could be available. All right, some other guys that the Pelicans into are Aubrey Dawkins of Central Florida and Jalen Adams of the University of Connecticut. Matt, you've got a long season ahead of you. Uh, certainly very exciting times with everything happening with the parent franchise from Zion Williamson to uh, recent draft picks. Who The Pelicans are so deep with their roster right now. You might get an influx of talent. How exciting is it in the town of Erie whenever you guys have a good squad? Well, it's been a lot of fun. Two years ago, we were fortunate to uh, to make it all the way to the Eastern Conference Championship game. And uh, I still have fans you know, that talk about that, that uh, throughout our 11 years, um, a couple of games that we hosted uh, that playoff period were the best environment here, right? I mean, playoff atmosphere, uh, the place was full, uh, and um, you know, just fans really had something to rally around. Because the, the reality of this league, too, is that you know, while you're developing players, um, it, it, I've always said G-League coaches, I think, have the hardest coaching job in, in, in all of sports, potentially, um, because of the influx of rosters from day to day, because of two-way guys coming back and forth. Um, whenever the parent club needs them, they've got to be there. Um, there's just a constant movement of players really makes it challenging. So, uh, honestly, winning at this level Take, take some luck, like, like anywhere, but it also takes you know the timing of having a good core group. And to your point, if you have a veteran roster, um, that that could bode well because um, maybe you can keep those guys. But we also have guys available in the event of injury, in the event of uh, um, what, what are they calling now uh, load work, workload, and, and that that they're trying to uh, rest guys from time to time and things like that too. So. Uh, honestly, winning at this level is challenging just because you want to have the right group of guys together down the stretch. Um, we had a, a team last year, for example, and again, this is just an example that happened across the G League. We had a team last year that, uh, you know, in December, uh, we went out and won both our games out at the league showcase, and uh, we had, you know, one of the best records in our division at that time, one of the best records in the conference. Um, but over the course of the next six weeks or so, uh, we had a couple of different guys get called up. We had a guy take a two-way contract. We had a guy get a 10-day. We had a guy get uh, an opportunity to go overseas. So in a matter of uh, several weeks, um, our roster became a little more depleted. Again, all for good opportunity, and that's ultimately why the G League exists. So um, you really just got to enjoy the guys when they're here. Um, our fans have kind of learned that. Erie is a tremendous minor league market. We've got double-A baseball, OHL hockey, and, and the G League team here. So our fans tend to understand that uh, come see these guys when you do get the opportunity because, you know, it literally could be, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. But, uh, you know, our, our fans have really enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of icing on the cake when we get a winner, but um, they really come to appreciate the high level that uh, that the G League has become. Now, this is the president of the Erie Bayhawks, Matt Brzee. You can follow him at Matt underscore Brzee. The Pelicans have a lot of young players. They're very deep this year, uh, a benefit of their trade with the Los Angeles Lakers. We've seen guys like Frank Jackson and Czech Diallo get time in the G League. Christian Wood and Jaleel Okafor could uh, be candidates for that, as well as guys coming back from injury who might just need to run up and down the floor a couple of times. Sometimes uh, playing with the G League affiliate can be a great benefit of that. Matt, we certainly appreciate your time. We know you've got a long season ahead of you, a lot of work to do. Uh, You're joining up with the New Orleans Pelicans. A big expansion draft is on its way. Did you give us the date of when that draft will take place? I don't have the date off the top of my head, but it's somewhere around mid-August. Mid-August. All right. Thank you so much for your time, sir, and we really appreciate you. Preston, thank you. I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant 
or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. All right, and now we welcome on to the bird calls, Laura Cayouette. How are you, Laura? I am fine and dandy. Now, you were just telling me off the air you are in the middle of a move, and it's going really well, right? It is. I'm, I'm not going to uh, disagree with that because it could be going a lot worse. When I saw the forecast for this week, it was supposed to be raining every day. So I guess we've lucked out. Yeah, you're the one who chose June, so I don't know how to feel hey, about that. I actually didn't. My my absentee landlord is chose this. Here it comes. Here it comes. Now, <laughs> now we're letting the drama all flow 30 seconds into the pod. I'm still in my tea. <laughs> Now, you guys can follow Laura at No Small Parts, and that's K-N-O-W. And you may also know her from her screen time in Django Unchained, Enemy of the State, Kill Bill 2, Queen Sugar, True Detective. But now, Laura, you are 100% shifting all of your time as a dedicated Pelican superfan. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the pay not as good, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're paying you back in emotion right now. Yes, you are. Because there is plenty of that. Let's go ahead and just start with your history of the team. Obviously, the team's been in place since, I want to say, 2002, 2003. Uh, it's, it's been over 15 years at this point. Any, how long have you been following the Charlotte Hornets slash New Orleans Pelicans? I went to a Hornets game in uh, my first Hornets game in 2010. They were playing L.A. And I had lived in the other L.A., Los Angeles. Um, I had lived there for about 18 years, and a friend of mine invited me to go to the game. She thought it might be therapeutic for me to shout, beat L.A., beat L.A., <laughs> over and over. So so I went to that game, and that was back in the Chris Paul days. And I didn't go again until the Pelicans. <laughs> um, it really was Miss Gale. I will give her 100% of the credit. Now you're jumping when ahead. She I took over. I was going to get to Gail. Uh, first of all, before we get to Gail, uh, now, was this a playoff game? And if so, do you remember if it was game three, game four? Because I was at one of these games as well. I don't think it was a playoff game. Okay. I think it was uh, earlier in the season, I want to say. Because I want to say it was sometime, gosh, it wouldn't have been during Carnival. But Carnival came late. That Oh, no, God, that was the year that we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 2009, okay. <laughs> That was the best carnival ever. <laughs> All right, Laura, we're getting off track. We're on the wrong team yeah. now. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Gail Benson. Uh, obviously, uh, the distressing, untimely death of Tom Benson put her into a position that she had been groomed to perform in. However, we didn't know a whole lot about what she was going to do in the position as both co-owner uh, or sorry, sole owner of both the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. And then there was so much distress and drama this season over the Anthony Davis saga, that sort of thing. And now Gail Benson has stepped up to the plate as both the owner of the Pelicans and the Saints. And both organizations are probably, you could argue, in top five best position of, uh, uh, in front of both leagues. Would you agree with that? I absolutely would agree with that. But I will say I'm not so surprised. I think I, think, um, I don't have a personal experience. I mean, I've met her, but I don't have a personal experience of Miss Gale. But, uh, you know, people that live around here all live around here. And I have family that grew up with her and, you know, went to school with her and whatever. And, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of surprise that she's somebody that can handle herself. Well, we're both very impressed with uh, what she's been able to do thus far as leader and owner of the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's take it back last season. Uh, not last season. I guess it's over a season ago now. Uh, time flies, Laura. When Anthony <laughs> Davis was one of the stars of the association, a top three player, both in voting for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, we sweep the Portland Trailblazers in a shocking turn of events. We come into the season riding high. What was your feeling as a Pelicans fan just last offseason? I didn't see this Anthony Davis shift coming, although, you know, certainly there were indications, but I didn't see that heading our way. And so I actually thought that this was going to be a time of AD sort of growing into his position and, and his body. I mean, he really filled in in the last couple of years. And so I thought these were going to be his wonder years, you know, the time that he would get to um, show himself as the player that we all knew he could 
B, potentially. And then it all blew up in smoke. I, I think everybody yeah. in New Orleans was, was kind of on the same page with that. We all got a little nervous when he hired Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. Uh, obviously, uh, an agent not known for uh, being quiet in a, in a small market city. And, of course, then all the changes came. Uh, of course, there were a bunch of injuries that coincided with that. But it became pretty clear as the season went along that Anthony Davis did not want to be in New Orleans. And it had very little to do with winning and a lot to do with being in the spotlight, being in Los Angeles, having this new Ruffles commercial. I, I'm sure you you know the feeling don't you Laura well you know it's funny for me I guess you know I'm I'm quite a bit older than AD and I and I have a different perspective and I already did my LA years and I will say that you know as rough as that town was on me um I I had a huge adventure I met everyone I went everywhere I did all the things that you see on TV that you think are going to be fun so I I'm not going to fault him for being attracted to light like a moth but um, I went there because there was nowhere else I could do what I wanted to do for money. If I could have been here doing what I do for money here, I would have been here. And as soon as I figured out to do that, I came home. You know, So <laughs> it's very hard for me to understand why anybody would want to go to L.A. if they could make money here. But, but you know, he doesn't know that yet or he's attracted to things I'm not attracted to. And like you said, there is a lot more possibility in Los Angeles for the sort of things that he's interested in now than opportunities there are in New Orleans. Obviously, New Orleans had a big film industry a few years ago, a lot of stuff filming in there. Uh, I don't know all the details with the state uh, tax budget and whatever coincided with that. But we do know now that Anthony Davis is part of Space Jam 2. He's got this new Ruffles commercial. He's got some other things. So if he is part of that industry and does want to focus on that sort of thing, that has very little to do with basketball and very much to do with the film industry. Were you so surprised that Anthony Davis, this kind of quiet, ho-hum guy, not really a vocal leader type, really is 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 etching to to be in front of a camera? Uh, uh, you know, I I have a lot to say and little to say on that because <laughs> because you know when you don't have something nice to say. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I I personally I've done over 60 commercials and so to me the idea of giving up anything I cared about for a freaking potato chip commercial is pretty hard <laughs> to no really honestly it's not even a good chip I'm, I mean there's that, you know so I, I am not I am I'm not able to wrap my brain around that and especially because I, I do get it that my industry is far and wide in its ability to absorb different body types, et cetera. But the idea that Anthony Davis will have a film career is, you know, as reasonable Suspect. as thinking that Shaq <laughs> would have a career in film. You know, there's just not a lot of room for the seven foot brow. So, you know, that that's, I don't know why he is so, I, it's very hard for me to understand because I guess because like, it would be hard for him to understand why I would give up anything to do what he's doing. You know, it just, seems to me like I would not want to leave this town for anything and certainly not to do a potato chip commercial. <laughs> Shots fired at the Ruffles community here by Laura Galloway. <laughs> Again, you guys can follow her at No Small Parts. We're talking about Anthony Davis. We're talking about Pelicans fandom. Let's go ahead and shift to the most exciting thing happening in, in New Orleans right now, arguably. Uh, and that is the acquisition of Zion Williamson by virtue of the lottery win that the Pelicans. I know. Have you heard of him? <laughs> I haven't heard of him. <laughs> Laura, take us yeah, back. No, it's a huge word... thing. It's a big deal. Take us back. Where were you when the Pelicans won the lottery, and what was your reaction? I was sitting right next to my husband, and all my reaction was overshadowed by his. I mean, we <laughs> were just glued to the TV, and we we both flipped out. But, you know, I felt it. I felt it. I felt like this is our destiny. This is our turn. It's our year. This is our karmic comeuppance. And I really did feel like it was all connected. I think it's kind of either hilarious or Machiavellian that the people who got most damaged by our trade season are the people who did the damage to us during football season. I mean, it just so happens to be one city. So I, I, I believe in karma. And I think that, that, uh, you know, the victory on the Saints field um, has now been evened a bit. 
Yep, and because that I think we really won out on all the trade with Anthony Davis, and I think that the lottery, you know, that's a God thing. That's a universe thing. That's that's out of the control of everyone but the fates, and the fates decided, you know what, New Orleans? We've had enough of seeing you get messed <laughs> over. All right, Laura, walk down Conspiracy Alley with me for a second. <laughs> Over the se- the second half of the season, this is something I brought up on the pod a while ago, and everybody basically just shushed me out of the room. So we remember that Anthony Davis, you know, had had no reason to play over the, uh, the final, I want to say, 25 games of the season. And there was no reason for the Pelicans to play him. Obviously, we see what's happened with Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, how unfortunate their injuries have been. Right. What if that had happened to Anthony Davis? And my question to you, Laura, is nobody seemed to mind Anthony Davis playing whatever it was, 15 to 20 minutes per game over the last 25 games of the season. But what if, Laura, there was a backdoor agreement between Gail Benson and Adam Silver that the Pelicans would play Anthony Davis and then would win the rights to Zion? What do you think? I I don't have a thought on that. I, well, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I would have to think about it more. And with a less packing brain. <laughs> My brain is very much like, where is the Sharpie? Where is the tape? Where's... So, uh, yeah, I, I would have to think that about that more. But I do think, I do know this, and I, and I discuss this every year with my husband whenever we're watching things from the outside and they look strange. I always remind him that we don't have all the information. We don't know. You know, so even... Even things we think we know, we don't really know. And I, I know a lot about that from living in L.A., you know, the distance between what's real and what's, you know, on TV. And, uh, and, I, and I, think, I think in a way that's kind of the uh, part and parcel of the entertainment industry, of which I consider sports. Because I think at the end of the day, we don't want to all see how the sausage is made. We do want there to be some sort of magic built into the whole winning and losing thing. And we want there to be, what, uh, we want people to be clever and, and ahead of the game, but we also want it to be real, you know? We want it to be real, the things that happen in front of us on the courts and on the fields, and you know? Yeah, definitely. So I, and go on. Sorry, go ahead, Laura. I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Well, so yeah, I think I think at the end of the day that whatever goes on behind the scenes, I try to trust our team, uh, you know, the home office team. Um, I try and trust that they have information I can't possibly understand. You know, when you see somebody get passed over a lot in a draft or whatever, and you're like, why is that person still sitting there? There's something that went around, you know, there's some reason that that person's still sitting there. Or when somebody gets snapped up right away and you're like, what was the big deal about that guy? Why is he suddenly popular? There's something that went around, you know, and we're just not going to ever know. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with not knowing everything. Uh, You must be at ease in your life, uh, both on and off screen, (laughs) because I'm desperate to know all of this. Like, as a Nick, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I do have a lot of friends. I I spent nine years in New York who are desperate to know how the Knicks fell uh, to to third in the draft. And they would like to know all of this information. Obviously, it's it's just uh, the lottery gods playing their favor one way or the other. But it is fun to think about, nonetheless, how the Pelicans were so at ease with putting them out on the court. Didn't really communicate with the fan base really why they were doing it other than uh i don't know they were just trying to uphold the the shield of the association for the fans but i definitely i definitely treasure your uh point of view on it that you know what sometimes it's better to just not know and just enjoy the on-court product and with that being said laura i'm going to get to my last question do you guys Uh have season tickets yes we do Ooh, very exciting. We How long have you been in season tickets for five or six years now? Ever since Miss Gale took over, we have had season tickets. Wow, that's a long time. So you guys have to be super excited. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I don't know uh, how many of your listeners have been to the games in person, but, you know, depending on what else is going on in town and who we're playing and all that, you can feel pretty lonely in that stadium sometimes. (laughs) And I'm thrilled for the Pelicans to finally get the audience they deserve because, you know, I, I don't know that our numbers would bear out my opinion here. However, I do feel like the Pelicans have been playing solid basketball for years, pretty exciting solid basketball for years. And, you know, AD, all my incredibly angry feelings aside, um, 
is a hell of a basketball player. He really is. And and it has been a privilege to watch him go from 19 years old, gawky, nothing but knees and ankles to being, you know, a truly great player. So, you know, I I think that it's almost kind of like if you're into uh, having fun with your family or going out with the guys or, you know, couples night or whatever. I don't understand why the whole city doesn't have season tickets. It's very inexpensive and you get free beer and snacks at the beer garden beforehand and pretty much pays for the price of the ticket. And, uh, you know, it's just a really fun evening and we have always had really great players on the court. So it's, it's kind of strange that it hasn't caught on more and quicker and I'm thrilled that now we have this sort of moment that the whole planet is aware of that, you know, now people know, oh, I, I need to go to a game there. I need to go see them play. And and it should have been that way all this time because there's been plenty to see, you know, in the arena. There has been plenty going on for years. But that's okay. All the Johnny-come-latelys just come on. <laughs> So go ahead, grab your tickets, and you can get a Dixie beer with Laura in the beer garden before the games. I'm going to ask you a quick follow-up. How sure. would you, because we've asked uh, some of our uh, some of our guests on the program this before, how would you improve the in-arena experience as a fan, both during games, before games, during timeouts? What would you like to see the team do to improve those moments? You know, I've been, we get asked that every year as a survey question as well, um, as season ticket holders. And honestly, I'm, I'm pleased. I, I, I will be honest with you, uh, as far as my relationship with basketball goes, I'm a tall girl. I'm 5'10". And so, um, you know, basketball has been a word thrown around my head quite a bit my whole life. And, and basketball players kind of notice me in a crowd. And so I have had a lot of exposure to basketball and basketball players. And I am of an age that I used to be a disc jockey at a nightclub in D.C. And Patrick Ewing used to come and hang out in my booth to get away from all the crowd. And, um, you know, because he was playing next door at Georgetown. And uh, I also knew David Robinson when he was in college. And I knew, um, gosh, in L.A. I knew John Sally and... Uh, I don't know. There's a long list, uh, a long list of really, truly, truly great players <laughs> that I hung out with socially. Lenny Bias was another. Um, and and I never went to their games, ever. And I think it, I was just a football girl. I mean, that's the bottom line. I was a football girl. It wasn't my game. Basketball just wasn't for me. And now, because of everything Miss Gale has done, it has made it so that I don't really have to love basketball, although I have grown to, I, I just love the experience of, I think it's all pretty great the way it is. I, there's great entertainment, uh, you know, from things you see on America's Got Talent to like Sugar Hill Gang. Oh my gosh, that was such a great night. And I think the dance team is incredible. And all the on-court entertainment is tons of fun. I think the beer garden and the uh, outer, outdoor activities before the game are fantastic. I think the fan nights and appreciation nights and all that are fantastic. I mean, there really are so many things right that I, I kind of feel at this point like I would be nitpicking. Laura, I can't let you go. Now that I know that you're best friends with David Robinson and Patrick Ewing and John Sally, <laughs> do you have one fun story that you can share with us about one of the three? Well, I, <laughs> I will say um, John Sally and I were in the same acting class, and, uh, and RuPaul was also in our class. And so oh my the God. three of us, <laughs> I know, and the three of us would have to sit in the front row because <laughs> it was six of the longest legs you've ever seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> and John would come sometimes with all of his rings on and they look like brass knuckles because he had I don't know like half a dozen of those things and um so yeah I have lots of wonderful memories of John Sally I knew him socially and I knew him from class and we even tried to work together a couple times but he's a great guy um but actually my my fondest memories are of Len Bias who yeah I'm sure your younger viewers uh, listeners have never heard of but he was going to be the most amazing thing ever and uh, and got drafted, and it was all very exciting, and, and then he passed away that night. So, you know, it was 
one of those Hemingway-esque awful things where somebody dies at the very apex of their life. But, you know, he was somebody I went to school with, so I have a lot of fond memories of him. But, you know, Patrick Ewing, I enjoyed him. He was a quiet guy when he would be in the bar, mostly probably because we would have had to shout over music. But I think he mostly just enjoyed being able to get uh, get away and hang out with me in the booth and not be in the middle of all the crowd. And, uh, yeah, I... I I, I'm trying to remember the name. Oh, Scotty Pippen. That was another one. But I only hung out with him one night um, with a bunch of my girlfriends. So, but the, I don't know. There's a long list. Like I said, it's a bunch of guys. I just don't even remember them all. I think I took it for granted. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a storied life so so far, to be sure. Uh, that's all the time we have for now. You guys, be sure again to follow Laura at No Small Parts, Laura Cayuet. Uh Laura, is there anything else about you that you'd like to share with our listeners about you and your work? Well, sure. I'm also an author. So, yes, you can catch me in all those shows, but I also have a number of books. I have written a book called No Small Parts, which is where my Twitter handle came from. Uh, an Actor's Guide to Turning Minutes into Moments and Moments into a Career with forward by Richard Dreyfuss and endorsements by Kevin Costner and a dozen other people like that. And and I'm just finishing a mystery series set here in New Orleans that starts, book one starts, as the Saints are heading to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, I've attempted to capture that moment, which, you know, I mean, Either you were there or you were not. But I have attempted to put you there even if you were not. And uh, and that's a five-book series, and I'm just finishing the fifth book. Oh my and then gosh. I also have another novel. But it's oh, my God. Of age. <laughs> yeah. All while moving. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I, I have taken the week off. <laughs> so, <laughs> With reason. Yeah. Laura, thank you so much. Also, a big thank to Erie Bayhawks president, Matt Brzee. You can follow him at Matt underscore Brzee. If you haven't already, go to thebirdrights.com. We've got great stuff coming from Mike, Charlie, Grubb, and Ollie. It's all on the website. And a soon-to-be-sure-to-blow-your-socks-off article coming from Kevin and Chris soon. And remember, of course, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate us on iTunes, like and retweet. You guys know the drill. Thanks for listening. Uh, Laura, it was such a pleasure. We have to have you back on a bit closer to the season so you can give us uh, your reports of the new in-game experience. Absolutely. Well, and I'm excited to see the new teammates. I mean, golly, we have so many new people on our team that I'm really, really excited to see play. And it's only going to keep changing. Free agency is just, I don't know, about four days away, and the Pelicans have a good bit of coin to spend. You never know what they could do in the, yes, in the trade game do. as well. It's going to keep evolving, Laura. It's It's been a really fun offseason, uh, to be sure, and it's only going to keep getting crazier. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, we're. We, I'm sure that it has not gone unnoticed that we are in the catbird seed still that we yep. continue to be so well positioned for you know i don't want to i don't want to what throw this out here with just all the pieces in place but all the pieces are in place for us to have like a seven-year run yeah, you're not wrong. We've got a lot of great young core pieces. We've got first round picks all the way to 2025 by virtue of the Lakers plus swap rights. We've got a Cleveland pick that we just picked up. Uh, it's it's We've got, I think, six uh, extraneous second round picks by virtue of the Wizards, the Nuggets, the Warriors. Uh, I know I'm forgetting one, the Bucks, I think. Uh, so we're pretty set up in good position, Laura. Uh, by yeah, karma is on our team right now <laughs> and karma is a pretty good player so <laughs> i do i believe in that i believe in magic because so much of sports is based on you know that luck of a draw moment and you know for us that luck is with us right now so i i want to not ignore the fact that we're on a wave we're riding on this wave and that wave might be taking us really far. I mean, we really just can't know. But I do know this, that when you look at the history of the Golden State Warriors, who have dominated, you know, pretty much the last decade of basketball, there, there's a methodology to how, how they built that team and, and how it played out. And, and we are on a very similar track with all these young, fast, you know, just really strong players all coming on at the same time and growing together and being uh, trained together for the first time ever to play in the NBA. So I think we're really, gosh, we, I, if I weren't our, <laughs> if I weren't already a fan of our team, I would really want to be a fan of this team, you know? Also to, to quickly mention, I am loving the new hires like Swin Cash. Come on. That's very exciting. 
It's all very exciting stuff. And you guys heard it here first. Laura Cauet has the Pelicans on the same trajectory as the Golden State Warriors, who have been to five consecutive finals. Uh, although the, the future is up in the air with injuries to, as we mentioned earlier, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Uh, but you've got us fixed in the finals next year, right, Laura? Oh, hey, if not next year, the year <laughs> after, and then for some time. I really do believe that we are going to block the sun for some time. Definitely, and great hires all around. Aaron Nelson, Swin Cash, Trajan Langdon. Yeah. David, David Griffin was the first of them. And, David and it looked, Griffin, a genius hire. Yeah, he's not afraid uh, to hire anyone as long as they're good at their job. He creates positions for them. He's been a great vocal leader for the franchise, been wonderful at communicating to the fan base uh, as well as management. So you're right, the Pelicans are in a great position, and it's just going to get more exciting from here, especially with karma uh, armed behind us. <laughs> I'm telling you, karma, it's, I think the jersey is number zero or something. <laughs> All right, Laura, you want to take us out? You have to say Zion's famous catchphrase. Let's dance. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Summer fun is right on track. Because Thomas and all his friends are rolling into Roaring Camp Railroads. Full steam ahead. And he's going to have all kinds of activities to choose, choose, choose from. So check on down to Roaring Camp, July 26th through August 4th. You won't want to miss Thomas.